don't worry. You won't ever be alone with yourself once you spend time exploring yourself, nature, and how you got here, because you'll soon find out that what you think of as yourself is really a conglomeration of consciousness from the entire universe and all the myriad of creating beings within it. So there is a beautiful little realization you can use to feel safe that ultimately we can never be alone. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today's episode features just Paul talking about how he is preparing for 2021, as well as how you can overcome your own personal challenges and roadblocks to own 2021 yourself. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Own 2021, my solo podcast to inspire, educate, inform, and get us all ready to own 2021. I don't know about you, but for me, 2020 has been a wild, sometimes scary, but truly awakening experience. I'm overjoyed at all the awareness being generated, the changes that are in process, and the chance to really stand up for what I believe in as a human being that is part of a democracy that espouses freedom. At least that's the idea, right? 2020 has allowed me to experience a very dynamic range of thoughts, feelings, and emotion and has left me feeling fully alive. I hope it has for you too. Speaking of being fully alive, Carl Jung, in his Depth of Wisdom, said no man is fully alive until he has the power to destroy himself. And boy, are we all there right now. I think most of you know that. I think that now more than ever, we are all aware that we have the power to destroy ourselves And as we walk the tightrope strung between the past and the future, we have every reason and need to be fully alive. (laughs) I love it. I'm fully alive and I'm here right now for all of you. I have every intention of owning 2021 in all its colors and flavors, and I'm excited to share as much as I can to inspire you to join me and the rest of us that feel fully alive coming into 2021. And for those that don't feel fully alive, then I think it's our opportunity to inspire them and uh, let them know that, hey, change is important. And uh, if you don't like the things the way they are and the way they're changing, then that means be part of a democracy. Get your two cents in there. Do something. To begin my podcast today, I'd like to share a perspective of where we are in our growth and development as human beings and in our relationships to each other and the planet. I'd like to do this through the eyes of the subjective aspects of numbers, which is the function of numerology, if you're not familiar with numerology. Numerology is, I wouldn't call it a science, it is referred to as a science, but it's really a philosophical exploration into the qualitative aspects of numbers as opposed to our standard relationship with numbers as objective. But it is the other half. So you could say that the standard approach to numbers is left brain and the numerological approach is right brain, which the right side connects to the wholeness of things. 
I'd like to explore the correlations between numbers relevant to us all now and the archetypes well-known for thousands of years to be active in the universe, the world, and the human psyche. I've put a lot of time and energy into studying such correlations because I found long ago that I could not help people heal or grow effectively if I did not include the subjective aspects of themselves and their lives, such as their thought patterns and emotions, with the objective data that are gathered while doing assessments on them. Once I'd mastered the basics of the subjective aspects of consciousness and the psyche, I was able to help people on a much deeper level and much more efficiently and completely than when I was limited to an objective left-brain physical approach alone. Now, in truth, I was never operating totally on that left-brain approach, but throughout my 36-year career, I've continued to study and practice and study and practice and study and practice and let my soul guide me to where I need to go in order to become the person that I intended to be to give the support to people and the world that I came to give. And as it would be, I was led into a deep, deep study of the psyche, occult sciences, which would include metaphysics, and things like uh, Jungian psychology, uh, numerology, art therapy, shamanism, and much more all of which have many unique and interesting correlations. Today I'd like to look at these issues and the issues that we're all going through in 2020 with the same kind of awareness I use to look at the challenges of my patients and clients. If this isn't your usual way of thinking about things, as we will engage together today, my suggestion is that Whenever you fall into judgment, doubt, or denial at the expense of truly being present with me, then just seek to stay open-minded and gain an opportunity to see the issues of our life in 2020 together from a different perspective. Naturally, all I can share with any of you in any of my podcasts is my own opinions, which are based on my lifetime of research, study, practice, and you know, really engaging life fully. So... Whenever we have a disagreement with somebody, at least we're getting to see another perspective that we might not have seen otherwise. And sometimes if we're open-minded, um, it might actually shift our awareness, which could give us a bigger picture, which can and often does change our own viewpoints. Although many don't put stock in the subjective appraisals of things like numerology, it's essential to realize that love itself is highly subjective. In fact, it's purely subjective. And even the most ardent objectivists and scientists admit that their life wouldn't be worth living without love. The fact is that life is such a mystery. It is, in effect, a mystery by subjective definition. If something's a mystery, you cannot objectify it. For example, how did we all get here? <laughs> There's a subjective exploration. What is God? That is a subjective exploration. What caused the Big Bang? That is a subjective exploration. And lo and behold, no scientist has ever been able to prove with any effectiveness what caused the Big Bang. Yet the entire field of cosmology and a lot of science is built on a mystery, subjective. 
So it's important to realize that the subjective aspects, the feeling tones, the emotions of life are as important as the objective left brain approach. So let's look into 2020 in preparation to own our 2021. 2020 has been a most interesting and enlightening year. I think most of you would agree with that. If you study numerology, the subjective qualities and relationships of numbers, and throw in some numerological correlations of consciousness, something very telling emerges. If we recognize consciousness as that which is aware of all, and when I use the word consciousness here, just to be clear, I'm spelling it with all capital letters. This is not individual consciousness like you're being conscious of my voice right now. This is the consciousness that is akin to the ocean that contains all other forms of independent or individual consciousness, such as sentient beings, be they plants, animals, people, etc. So if you think of consciousness in caps as an infinite ocean, and each sentient being is a little eddy, a whirlpool in that ocean, then you can understand when I'm using the concept of consciousness, it's all-inclusive. And there is a lot uh, of objective research suggesting, or at least pointing in that direction. So again, if we recognize consciousness as that which is aware of all, it would naturally be expressed as zero. Why? Because zero symbolically is everywhere and nowhere at the same time. It has no barrier, no boundary, no border, no definition. And by the fact of that, it's no thing, yet the basis of everything. To get to one, you have to come from zero. To get to anything other than zero, you have to come from zero. Therefore, zero is source and sum because it has no boundary, no barrier, no border, no definition. So, just as consciousness would have to be there for any sentient being to be consciousness in any location in the universe, um, then even if you think that brains generate consciousness, then I'd encourage you to meditate on what created brains. In other words, if the universe isn't conscious, we can't be conscious. If you think that consciousness only comes from brains, then you have to ask the question, what intelligent force created brains? And when you consider that there's more neural connections in the human brain than there are known stars in the universe, it turns out to be quite a complex organization that is highly unlikely to have just been a product of uh, random chance. Since we're all conscious and here in the universe, the word means uni, one, song. And even the hardened scientists of quantum physics and cosmology tell us that it is all one. Then we know that the metaphysical truth suggesting zero equals one is true. So what I'm saying is because we know that there is a universe, one verse, uni, one verse song, then something had to be its source, zero, and the totality of what is expressed is called the universe or the one song. So metaphysically, zero equals one. 
Now that becomes important as we move along. So just to recap, zero represents consciousness, period, all consciousness. And because we recognize all that is created or that can be known as within the context of the universe, the one song, then we know that there is this one massive living being here, and even the greatest quantum physicists describe it as living and thinking, as do many cosmologists. So that means zero is the functional equivalent of one. Next, we come to the number two. Two is the number that best represents mind, and that means um, any kind of mind. It best represents mind and minds because to have any kind of mental or thinking process, there has to be a subject doing the thinking, such as your mind, that would be one, and an object of the mind's awareness, that would be the other one. So the zero, that is consciousness, which is what creates the whole, includes us. So the subjective creative force that is consciousness, is also the subjective creative force within us. So if we're thinking a thought such as, what am I going to do today, then you, the thinker, are the subject, and the object becomes the thought, what am I going to do today? So there you have two ones, the object of the mind's awareness, and that makes two, subject and object. Big mind, the sum total of all thinking processes and the intelligence within all such processes, can be aware of any number of objects, but the fact remains that for there to be any activity we'd consider to be the product of mind, there must be the essential qualities of subject and object. Just as big mind or consciousness looks into itself for objects of awareness, we each use our individual minds to subjectively perceive objects within our awareness. So, for example, if you're having a dream, then the subjective view is seeing the object as its dream. If you think what is two times two, then the thinker that's asking the question is the subject, and the object is the question what is two times two. For example, if you're listening to me right now, the part of you that's listening is the subject. You know that you're listening by the fact that you cannot pinpoint your eye or the part of you that is listening to what you're hearing with your ears to any specific location. So no matter what we do, if we try to look inside, and I've done this many times, if you try to listen like you're listening to me right now, then I'm the object of the awareness. So these two, subject and object, create the essential duality that makes a mind a mind. But if we're a pure subject, then there's no object to think about. If we're a pure object, then there is no subject to be aware of us, and therefore we wouldn't know we existed. So what I was alluding to just prior is, and it's a a meditation that's taught by alchemists. For example, if you go into meditation near a place where there's something like a waterfall or birds chirping or you just hear the 
ambient noises around you, then your ears are vibrating. But you have to ask yourself, well, who's listening? Because the ear is not actually hearing. The ear is just transforming vibration into electrical impulses that end up in the brain. And there, there's still just electrical impulses. So the most the brain can do is convert an analog wave into some sort of a uh, series of electrical um, fluctuations, which then becomes something we perceive through our consciousness. So the question that the alchemists taught us to meditate on is, who is listening to the listener? You hearing my voice or the listener, but who's listening inside of you? If you're looking out the window right now or looking at anything, your eyes don't actually see. They just do the same thing your ears do, convert frequency into signals that your brain then um, interprets as a pattern. But you have to say, who's actually seeing? Who is the seer that's seeing? So when we start going into those things, we find that they're pure subject and they can't be located anywhere. Now, some would say, well, Paul, you couldn't do that without a body or whatever like that. But the reality is, as an experienced remote viewer and person that does a lot of work in the astral realms, I can tell you that I can leave my body with my spirit or light body and I can look through those eyes and very effectively identify things, meet people, read and do all sorts of things. <clears throat> so the question would be, how can that happen if the brain is the locus of consciousness? Because I would be stuck to the location where my brain is at. And then you have all the near-death uh, reports that fortify this position. So the year 2020, if we look at this numerologically is a 20 to 0 juxtaposed to another 20. The first 20 can be correlated with our inner awareness. When we choose to be aware of our awareness and what is within its perceptual field, such as being aware that we are thinking about something or someone or being aware that we're having a particular emotion, then we are using the inner two. So the two of subject-object oriented within ourselves towards our own thoughts, feelings, emotions, beliefs, and even our own analysis of our own behaviors, such as when we review our day at the end of the day, for example, or maybe keep journal notes. The second 20 in 2020 represents our subjective in relationship to any external person, place, or thing. So the first 20 in 2020 is our internal relationship with our inner self. And in Jungian psychology, they really uh, even go as far as to say there's an inner ego and an outer ego. The way we relate to ourselves, our inner dialogue represents our inner ego. And the way we relate to others externally relates to our outer ego. So there's really two beings, an inner being that we relate to and an outer being <laughs> that we share with others. So what's interesting here is that if you look at 2020, it creates a mirror. 
To perceive within ourselves takes two, subject equals zero and object equals one, and to perceive the outside of ourselves takes two, the subject within ourselves feeling, looking, and listening to what is outside of us. Looking within, we look into darkness, which I equate to the black or the back half of the mirror, and looking outward, we see light. We perceive what we project, and therefore we are rarely ever seeing what is actually there. Most of us have had the experience of thinking we saw a snake, particularly if it's not too bright out, but found out that it was a hose or a rope coiled on the ground. Most of us have thought that we recognize someone and maybe even walked up to them and started talking to them or said hi or tapped them on the shoulder from behind and found on closer inspection that it wasn't them. The science on these issues clearly shows that what we perceive is what we see, and what we see is what we perceive, creating a self-reinforcing loop until we stop projecting our biases and actually see what's there. In other words, if we didn't project our pre-programmed biases that something with the shape of a snake on the ground is a snake, then instead of seeing a snake, we'd see a hose or a rope. And um, there is a lot of very good science on this that shows conclusively that whatever you believe and perceive is what you see, and what you see always reinforces what you believe and perceive until you're brave enough to uh, split your belief system open and do some rehab on it, or get into experiences like deep meditation or plant medicines that completely blow your belief system apart so you can see the pieces and decide if you still want to put it back together that way, which if you're seeing that experience, it usually means it needs to be looked at. Hi, everybody. As you can probably tell from listening to the episode so far, owning your 2021 is going to be a unique process and an intensely personal experience. That's why the meaning behind owning 2021 is indivisible from your inner self. It's really about taking responsibility for your actions and consciously deciding to live an authentic life in the way you feel it must be lived based on your dream and the goals and values that support it. Doing that in a professional setting comes down to following your dream without an ounce of doubt, working relentlessly to create meaning and value through your efforts. If your passions are personal development and well-being and you're listening to Living 4D with Paul Check, so chances are good that's true, then owning 2021 for you might mean shattering the limiting beliefs imposed upon the world by those that want us to remain sick and under their control. However your version of owning 2021 looks, I want to help you realize it. To do that, on Friday, November 27th, Black Friday, I'm making it much easier for you to get the training you need and to truly own your 2021. On the 27th, I'm offering all my advanced training programs like Holistic Lifestyle Coaching Level 1 and Integrated Movement Science Level 1 at never-before-seen prices with extra bonuses on the side. If you are in the holistic health and performance field or you want to be, completing these training programs will help you develop the skills that few others in the field have and in record time. You'll be able to build the practice of your dreams, solidify your financials, and have a powerful impact on the world. Our trained practitioners work with world-renowned athletes, business leaders, patients suffering from chronic diseases, in corporate wellness and large communities, and all of them we've spoken to have mentioned how much they've grown from completing the advanced training programs that we're offering you 
right now. And I know you know what I think about the whole COVID situation. And I want you to know that it doesn't stop our teaching at all. We've invested a lot of time and energy into offering an online experience that is very similar to the offline one, and we're all full steam ahead. That means you receive the best possible education at the most affordable prices we've ever had. So now would be the perfect time to join us and develop the tools you'll need to own 2021. Go to checkinstitute.com forward slash own 2021 to learn more. That's C-H-E-K institute.com forward slash small case O-W-N 2021 to learn more. Let's own 2021 together. So with this consideration of 2020 representing a mirror of consciousness within all of us, This means that 2020 is the year of seeing outside of us what we have created as a result of the beliefs and choices created and held within our individual domain of self. And remember, a culture is a bunch of people doing the same thing, according to Arnold Mandel. And therefore, many of us are seeing and doing enough of the same things to create exactly the experiences that we have been having in 2020. We know from scientific research that the ego, which is the part of us that's aware of what's happening and making choices, is only about 5% of our total consciousness. The rest is considered to be within the unconscious, and this includes the subconscious, such as the wisdom of your DNA and your cells. The unconscious includes all the information streaming into and out of us that we're not consciously aware of. This can be a myriad of thoughts, feelings, emotions, and information from a vast number of sources ranging from our own body to that of the family or even the collective of all living beings, the collective unconscious. Though it's not often mentioned, some total percentage of our consciousness may be united with the superconscious mind of the universe where all possibilities exist at once. But regardless of how we break down the other 95%, the point I'm making is that what you perceive of as you're listening to me right now or going through your normal daily waking life comes by way of your ego, which can only access about 5% of the total information moving through your perceptual field at any given time. Because so much of our thoughts, feelings, emotions, and judgments are painful for us to experience and feel, or because we don't want to accept responsibility for our beliefs, judgments, and choices, we ignore and repress them. This is one means by which the ego justifies getting its needs met without the responsibility of being conscious. It also allows the ego to avoid feeling guilt and shame or being ethical or moral as a means of getting its own way. Most don't want to consider what they are doing may actually be harming others' nature or even be evil. So these kinds of issues are relegated to the unconscious. Once in the unconscious, they're called shadow contents because such contents are still active within our psychic process, but we don't allow ourselves to see these uh, little magical puppets within the field of our ego's awakening awareness. We know the shadow contents are still active in our choices and behaviors for this simple reason. If our conscious thoughts represent what we can be aware of, they are in the light of the mind's eye. But we all know that when standing in the light of the sun, we cast a shadow that moves in perfect unison with us, no matter how fast we move. 
Coupled with this awareness is the fact that most of us regularly do things and say things that we don't intend to and often wish we hadn't. So there must be some shadow process going on behind our conscious control that is until we do the work to manage the shadow contents intelligently, which I could get into, but I don't want to railroad our discussion because that's a deep discussion, and I have talked about it in many podcasts. As another example, many people claim not to be racist, but are unconscious that their thoughts, words, and behaviors toward people of different color, creed, or religions are racist, meaning they exclude or marginalize people. So I'm expanding the concept of racism, not just disliking or hating people of a different color or ethnic origin, but any behavior that excludes or marginalizes people, because ultimately it's the same issue. Those with shadow beliefs about same-sex relationships may tell others that they don't feel fussed either way. It doesn't bother them, but actually may harbor tremendous judgment within their own inner dialogue when engaging same-sex couples. Many professing to be in favor of preserving nature and minimizing greenhouse gases go to meetings on these issues, picket big industry polluters, but drive home in cars with gas-guzzling V8, V10, and V12 engines and never make the conscious connection that their actions are very contradictory to their words. So there again is an example of the shadow. Many Catholic priests have recited the Ten Commandments possibly thousands of times or more, and are experts at the teachings of the Bible, and consciously, publicly state that sex with children is sinful, yet molest children while denying or repressing their own guilt and shame for such acts. And I think we're all aware of that. There's a great example of shadow behavior. These are all examples of shadow-driven behaviors. Just because we are Uh, repressing or denying something about ourselves doesn't mean that it isn't being expressed. It is usually just that we don't see or perceive what we're doing, but others without shadow in those areas can see us clearly. Now, continuing with some of the numerological aspects of 2020, 2-0 plus 2-0, we don't count the zeros in numerology, so we have 2 plus 2, which equals 4, which in alchemy relates to the four elements of fire, air, water, and earth. Now, interestingly, these elements must be in dynamic balance to create life force energy, which all life depends on for its existence. In Chinese, for example, the word qi actually means steam. So if you look up the word qi in a Chinese dictionary, you will find that it means steam. Now, from an alchemical perspective, to make steam, you must have water, something to hold it in, like a pot, earth, some fire to make it hot enough to steam, and some air to carry the steam. From this perspective, 2020 is the year that we look into the mirror of earth, water, fire, and air and face our shadow beliefs and behaviors about our place in the world and how we're using the elements of nature, earth, water, fire, and air. 2020 is the year that we learn if we don't take care of the balance of the four elements within us, we become susceptible to illness, be that COVID, the flu, or otherwise. 
and it's working. <laughs> I've never seen so much money being spent on holistic health approaches in my life. So hallelujah 2020. What a great way to wake people up. Whether the virus is real or manufactured, it's certainly having uh, its beautiful shadow awakening effect. 2020 is the year that we become aware of how we're using technology and what its impact is on nature and therefore our own survival. 2020 is the year we awaken at a greater level to what the role of the oceans and the water is in our life and awaken to the fact that our soils, food, and air can be no healthier than our water. When we consume sick water, we become sick people. When we give plants and animals sick water, they become sick plants and animals, and unfortunately, then people eat them. I've been talking about this stuff for a very long time. For those of you that have not read my book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, I began writing that book in 2001 and tried to awaken people to these issues that are only now starting to get popular, interestingly. 2020 is the year we awaken to what happens when we relinquish our responsibility to monitor big corporations and the year we become aware of what they're doing with their powers of influence on the world and what they're doing with our personal data. 2020 is the year we become aware of all the corruption in the media, the medical system, politics, government, the banking system, our lack of education and common sense, and begin to more clearly see how we are losing our we are losing our health and freedom as individuals to the very powers we've relegated our responsibilities to. It's important to realize that everything in the created world goes in cycles. You can find ancient books with the yogis talking about this from thousands of years ago. Yogananda gave extensive lectures on this and has many writings as in his books on it. Joseph Campbell, and many, many other experts, the Mayans, all spoke of these cycles. So these are very old, well-understood concepts. You can think of uh, growth cycles as octaves of consciousness. So if everything's going in cycles and the universe is conscious, it means that the universe is a self-aware being, and there is a lot of very good books on that in my library by very hardcore scientists, then the universe has these cycles, which we've known for a very long time, as I mentioned. And as we evolve through these cycles, being part of the universe, what we learn, it learns. As it learns, it informs us, if we're listening. And that's part of what we're going through, is learning to listen. So again, you can think of the cycles that we're going through, and remember, 2012 was the end of the Mayan calendar. It was the end of what they called the long count cycle, which I believe is 25,900 years. So if we look at these growth cycles, then we can start with the fact that zero represents potential. And from there, each growth cycle or octave has nine steps before reaching the next level, be it upward in a generative cycle, a growth cycle, or downward in a non-generative cycle, such as being caught in an addiction or staying in a marriage that you know you don't want to be in, but being too chicken to get out of it, such as watching your body get fatter every day and keep you keep doing the same things and thinking the same thoughts, 
being depressed and angry at other people and playing the victim instead of realizing everyone's loving the best they can and just using your love to create more friends and more connections and more happiness. So that would be a degeneration cycle. Therefore, in this current cycle, 2020, which again equals four, represents that we are at the fourth step in the octave cycle. So think of a spiral, and each rung on the spiral climbs up progressively. If you collapsed one rung of the spiral, it would make a circle. But we're splitting the circle, and it makes one 360-degree turn in which there are 10 steps in our numerological system. So it really completes at nine, and then the next one would be the next level of the spiral or the next circular loop. So you'd have to cut another circle and stick it on the previous one, and now you'd have another nine steps leading to the end of that octave. So, just if you look at 2019, two zero, two plus one, because you don't count the zero, is three, plus nine is 12, and 12 numerologically means the completion of a cycle, uh, not using an octave count, but using a, a different approach. 12 is considered the number of completion in many systems. But if you look at 12, it reduces to 3, which interestingly reduces to symbolically to a triangle, which is the Holy Trinity, which represents the geometrical form which generates power. And so I could go long into that. But basically, what's important here is that numerologically speaking, we're now in a new cycle. It ended with 2020, which was a 12, a completion cycle which invests its power in the next cycle, 2020. And in order to have life, you have to have four elements. So that's where we're at. Next, I'd like to talk about moving into 2021. Using our same numerological approach, 2021, 2 plus 2 plus 1 equals 5. Now, when we look at octaves or cycles... Five is generally considered a tipping point where we can stay unconscious and keep acting out past programming and the same behaviors that have created disharmony within the earth, nature, and man, or awaken to our potential to restore harmony and balance in our relationships with the earth, nature, and each other. In tarot, all five cards signify some kind of strife, often a battle of some sort, but it's important to realize that the strife and the battle that stems from outside of us is really the product of the conscious and unconscious beliefs and behaviors within ourselves. As I've shared, about 95% of our beliefs and behaviors are unconscious, but not so unconscious any longer since many of us came face to face with our shadows individually and collectively in 2020, which is really, really important for healing. I cannot help anyone heal unless we look into their unconscious programming beliefs and behaviors, which is quite an exploration. 2021 being a five year is the number of the Hierophant in the tarot system of archetypes that govern life. Now, if you're not familiar with the Hierophant, that word 
typically means a priest or a master or a wise man or a spiritual teacher of significance. So when we're moving into the year of the Hierophant, it has many implications. Though many Christians and people of other religions have been programmed to believe that tarot is devil's play, the greater truth is that tarot is a system of archetypal images that represent the kinds of life situations we all engage on a daily basis, which is exactly what the hero's journey is, which almost every single movie in Hollywood is built on. Why? Because if they don't follow the hero's journey, the movie's not exciting and nobody watches it. Anyone that's honestly looked within themselves and tarot knows the truth of these archetypes. There is a reason that the tarot system of archetypes has been used by human beings for thousands of years and is thought to be Egyptian in origin, although there's a lot of conflict out there. My research has led me to trust and my soul confirms that it is Egyptian in origin and was a system of archetypal images Images that capture events that are common to all lives that they use to train the Egyptian priests in schools like the Right Eye and Left Eye School of Horus. Many people tell me they don't have time to eat well or can't afford organic foods. And I ask them how much time and money they've spent seeing doctors, sitting in waiting rooms, and standing in lines at drugstores. I also ask them if they realize that research shows that the average person or animal eating organic foods tends to reach satiation about 30% sooner than those consuming commercial foods, which means you don't need to consume as much food on an organic diet, not to mention the increased toxicity gained from consuming commercial foods. One of my first suggestions is to try Organifi's juice mixes. Organifi green juice nourishes, energizes, and detoxifies the body. Organifi Red Juice helps increase energy naturally, enhances fat metabolism, and slows the aging process as part of a holistic lifestyle. Organifi Gold induces calmness, relaxation, and aids recovery from stress and exercise. But Organifi offers you many more amazing certified organic products as well, ranging from excellent protein powders to skin support to liver detoxification to inflammation control and joint support to Critical Immune, which is designed specifically to enhance immune function. Why wait to be healthy when you can start now and create your own vitality account within your own body? After all, your body is your temple, and the health of your body has a direct impact on your mood and mental performance day in and day out. My family, clients, and I love Organifi, and I know you will too. To get your Living 4D with Paul Check 20% discount on any of the amazing Organifi products, go to organifi.com and on checkout use the code capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K20, that's CHECK20 in caps, and you and your family will be happier and healthier than ever. Enjoy. The Hierophant as archetype number five comes before archetype six, which is the lovers in tarot, which is where we learn to create and manage love, which emerges from the polarity of the sexes in life. Now, that can be male-female, light-dark, yin-feminine, yang-masculine, but you can't have consciousness without polarities. I've cited my favorite definition of consciousness many times. I'll give it here 
because it's relevant to the discussion of polarity. Consciousness is a psychic substance produced not blindly, but in living awareness of opposites. Edward Edinger, MD, psychiatrist and union analyst. So, in order to manage love with ourselves, others, persons, place, or things, we have to be aware of the polarity. Too much love is smothering. Not enough love is debilitating. So, wherever there's polarity involved, there has to be some form of management which requires consciousness. The Hierophant's function as a Hierophant is to teach us the fundamentals, the dogma of the basics. Every system of teaching, religion, or spiritual development has its fundamentals that its founders deemed essential to getting the intended outcome of their offering. Most people don't realize that's what fundamentalist religion is all about. By definition, fundamentalism is the study of the basic teachings and practices that the founders of all religions and belief systems felt were essential to learn and master or you would not get the results that were intended through their offering. 2021 is an exciting year when viewed through the lens of the archetypes and their numerological correlations because it suggests that in 2021 we will all be tasked with listening to the real priests, the real masters and wise men and women, and the enlightened spiritual leaders, and that could be scientists, soil scientists, people like Vandana Shiva, um, the great experts in organic and biodynamic farming, people like uh, the teachings of Rudolf Steiner, uh, Eckhart Tolle, Deepak Chopra, um, you know, there, I could go on a long, long list, but these represent hierophants, people that have mastered the basics and exemplify them in their own lives and are reliable leaders, which is very different than what we see in Bill Gates, where I have actually heard discussions on podcasts or in interviews suggesting that he does not vaccinate his own children and recently saw a report showing that he does not wear masks, yet he's trying to impose upon us to vaccinate our children with massive numbers of vaccinations that have not been properly researched and wants everybody social distancing and wearing masks and has become <laughs> the president of the world by his own purchasing power. So that is an example of a false hierophant. And, and if you really want to learn more about that, I'll be recommending this book later on, but you should really, all of you, highly recommend the book Oneness Versus the 1% by Vandana Shiva. It will Blow your mind when you actually find out what Mr. Gates is up to. So the key point I'm making is 2021 being the year of the Hierophant, number five, means that to get through the strife, we are going to have to be wise enough to seek out discerning in who we choose as the real Hierophants, which are the priests, masters, wise men and women, and spiritual leaders, because those people are living, breathing exemplifications of the kind of harmony and capacity for creative thinking and uh, making the changes that we need that will allow us to move forward effectively instead of going into a degenerative cycle, which is not something we can afford to do at all, 
at this time because we've been falling backwards into these degenerative cycles for a very long time when you look at how long we've had solid science on what we're doing to the earth through big technology. 2021 is the year we choose to accept our 50% of all relationships with any other person, place, or thing and practice the fundamentals that are essential to love in ways that restore our inner harmony and harmony in relationship with other persons, places, or things. Now, to clarify that, if I'm in a relationship with you, then I am 50% of that relationship, which means in order for the relationship to work effectively, I have to be 100% present with you and you have to be 100% present with me, or each of us is not occupying our 50%, which creates quite a little problem, because if I'm 10% not present with you, there's 10% of me that's not there, and there's 10% of you, the 10% of me you cannot access, which creates a 20% deficit in the relationship. So that can be problematic. If we are honest with ourselves, others, and how we manage the resources of nature, we will master the basics of how to use the powers of love fully and productively so that we can continue to heal, grow, and increase our harmony with each other, nature, and the world as a whole. That way, when we begin 2022, the year of the lovers, we won't have to go through all the petty challenges that immature lovers do. Instead, we will be in a position to rise in love and create the kind of balance and harmony within ourselves as individuals that we choose to share with all people, beings, places, and things of the world. Now, my next topic in my discussion today on owning 2021 is owning 2021. So with that preface out of the way, let's get into what it means to own 2021. To explain what I feel it means to own 2021, I'll answer a series of questions created by my podcast manager, James Phelps, who also served as Dean of Education for my personal professional spiritual success mastery program for some 13 years, and is a very wise man that I'm proud to work with each day. So James, who spends a lot of time interacting with students and people all over the world through the Czech Institute, put these headings together with the hopes it would help me share with you the things that I felt were necessary to share, but that he felt were necessary for people to get answers to because of his own um, investigations into these issues and to try to bring it into a consensus of questions that, if answered, would leave the greatest number of you with a sense of ownership of 2021. So our first question or topic of discussion is what does it mean for you to own 2021 personally and professionally? For me, Paul Check, to own 2021 personally and professionally, we have to be much more conscious, more aware of our beliefs and the choices they generate. Since our professional lives are mirrors and extensions of our personal life, I will start with what it means to me and hopefully you to own 2021 personally. In 2021, I choose to be more aware of the choices I make around creating happiness each day. I choose to create time to sing, dance, enjoy stories, enjoy being alone with myself so I have time to engage my inner world and be aware of where my choices are not bringing me or those I love with and work with sustainable happiness. In other words, that's my commitment to being aware of my 50% of all my relationships 
and making a conscious intention to look carefully at how my own beliefs, values, or judgments may be in conflict with others and how I can find a healthy compromise so that everybody involved gets what they need and we all feel loved and supported so that we can produce something that's good for everybody. In 2021, I choose to have a consistent daily routine of worshiping life, giving thanks for all that I have. Giving thanks for all the beings in nature that support my life, be they the beings that I consume as food and drink, ceremonial sacraments, or the human beings that share life and love with me. Not that I consume them, but that I will share life with them and I will worship them and give thanks and send my love to each of them. In 2021, I choose to love and care for my body so it is fit for service to both my personal and family dreams, my professional dreams, goals, and objectives, and my dreams of contributing to the world. In 2021, I choose to use the powers of my mind to create what I want for myself and others and couple the powers of my mind to the wisdom and emotional intelligence of my heart. Through my heart, I choose to live in perpetual awareness of my responsibility as a living example to others. In 2021, I choose to engage my emotions fully and honestly so that I'm aware of the deep wisdom being expressed within me as a product of my thoughts, actions, and relationships. I choose to accept responsibility for the inner state that I create and share with others and to grow my capacity for emotional intelligence each day. And we will be talking more about emotional intelligence as it relates to owning 2021 as we go along. In 2021, I choose to give myself the rest I need to be balanced, productive, present, and in love with myself, family, and others in my life. In 2021, professionally, I choose to carry the fullness of my presence and my being into the world with the intention of sharing all that I know to be true from my life experience. It is my dream that as a professional and in my professional work, I do my very best to support others in meeting their needs for well-being and contributing to the world in meaningful ways. And I invite you, all of you, to join me in 2021, both personally and professionally, And I hope that how I choose to live personally and professionally in 2021 is both aligned with your values and an inspiration to you. And I'd like to thank each of you for being an inspiration to me. We all need each other. I love doing podcasts and sharing great minds and great discussions and deep explorations with the intention of us all having more options to uh, expand our beliefs and become more congruent with our behaviors relative to our dreams and to really cross-pollinate each other so that we can all come into harmony with each other in the world and make something more beautiful in 2021, hopefully a lot more beautiful than a lot of the challenges we experienced in 2020. Our second question is, does owning one's destiny in 2021 mean embracing who you are? If so, how does one learn to love oneself? Now, these are very important questions. Good job, James. As I suggested in the beginning of the podcast, when I spoke of the numerological and archetypal meanings of 2020, 2020 being the year that we face our personal and collective shadows, and that inner work sets the stage for a wholesome 2020. 21, a productive 2021, an effective use 
of the challenges that naturally occur when we get to halfway point in an octave or a growth cycle. When we alter the nature of our true self to conform to others, fearing that if we don't behave in certain ways, we won't be loved or accepted, we have to don masks. Okay, so just to reiterate, I'm really addressing here, does owning 2021 mean embracing who you are? And how does one learn to love oneself? So I'm getting into some of the concepts now that stop a person from doing that and making suggestions as to how to do it. So again, when we alter the nature of our true self to conform to others, fearing that if we don't behave in a certain way, we won't be loved or accepted, we have to don masks. Each mask represents a different persona. And as we accumulate more and more masks, it's easier to lose track of who we really are. We also have to be vigilant with ourselves so we don't forget what mask to wear with who and what we can say to who and not say. And inevitably, this becomes tiring and begins to fail once we're too tired to maintain the vigilance needed to keep track of so many masks. In fact, I've worked with a number of professional athletes in my career whose performance was sagging and their team medical staff and therapists couldn't find the reasons for this based on their evaluations. It didn't take me long at all to uncover that these athletes, men in all cases, were Christian men who were married, some with children, and were concealing as many as four or more other intimate relationships from their actual wife uh, that they were legally married to. They were also concealing each of the other relationships from the other woman (laughs) that they were being intimate with. So, to make that clear, they have a wife, but I've met some of them with four or more, even up to six women that they were maintaining compartmentalized relationships with at the same time. One of my first tips that this was going on occurred when an athlete, when I asked an athlete to strip down to his shorts for a physical assessment and in his jacket pocket, he had all these <laughs> beautifully designed little pockets and obviously a very expensive designer jacket. And each one of them had a cell phone. And he had, I think, if I remember right, he had five cell phones. And I found that each of these phones was devoted to one of his women and that each of the phones, like the women, had to be kept secret from the others. So he was like James Bond, a secret agent with phones for secret people in different countries. When I investigated as to their um, inner dialogue, their own evaluation of this behavior, i.e. the athletes, and what they imagined God thought of this as a Christian... Uh, they were all concealing a lot of guilt and shame and were very anxious and insecure about themselves and their relationships. Naturally, some of them were very concerned about the prospects of Judgment Day and had visions of purgatory, but these didn't seem as scary as what could happen, (laughs) particularly financially, if their actual wife found out. (laughs) Needless to say, I can tell you, I've seen a lot of very interesting things in my career. (laughs) Some of them made me laugh. It's just amazing what money and testosterone can do to you. (laughs) What I identified and clearly demonstrated to them all was that the mental exhaustion and insecurity created by living with so many masks on and maintaining so many illusions was indeed stopping them from performing well in their respective sports. There are two things I was quick to inform them of. One, 
Truth is like cream. It always rises to the top, which means, believe me, (laughs) you're playing a dangerous game. And two, they were far underestimating the intelligence and observational skills of women. (laughs) And trust me, I have a lot of experience with women in my life and know just how dialed in they are. And these guys were not at all appreciating the danger that they were playing with. You know, turmeric's really, really hot now. There's a lot of scientific research on it, but they're not all created the same. So I brought Autumn Smith on to tell you about Paleo Valley's turmeric complex so you know exactly what the benefits are and why you, like me, should get your turmeric complex from Paleo Valley. Autumn, tell us about your turmeric complex. At Paleo Valley, we are big believers in food as medicine. And so turmeric, of course, it has beat drugs out. We know it's anti-inflammatory. We know it has brain benefits. We know it has joint benefits. But what most people don't know is that a lot of turmeric supplements only contain one isolated compound of turmeric called curcumin. And so what we did instead was create a complex. We added organic turmeric and then ginger and rosemary and clove, which were some of the most DNA protective spices studied. And we created a complex. We added organic coconut powder and pepper for absorption. And so We've created a really high quality, highly bioavailable turmeric complex that will hopefully help you to feel your best. And all you have to do to check it out is go to paleovalley.com. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com. And you can use the code CHECK15, that's lowercase C-H-E-K-15 to save 15%. Wearing masks is something we learned to do in childhood because as children, we have a much greater need for the safety and security of parents and other adult figures in our lives. We also learn quickly in school that if we don't wear the right mask for each teacher, we can end up having a much harder time in class or even getting a failing grade. If we mature, or as Jung would say, individuate, such that we become an adult who is whole in and unto themselves, we are aware that who we are is the product of our own making from the point of individuation onward. In other words, that should be puberty. When we go through puberty, we begin rejecting parental ideas and trying to figure out who we are in the world. But once we reach the place where we have a pretty solid sense of ourselves, or when our ego forms, which happens between 25 and 35 years of age today, then from that point onward, we should be uh, aware that who we are is the product of our own making, not necessarily of others, because by that time, we should have been able to sift through and reject other ideas, beliefs, and opinions that don't serve us because we've developed enough intellectual processing power to use abstract awareness to analyze multiple things from different perspectives, which we couldn't do prior to, uh, to reaching the closure of the ego. We realize that we have options, values, or beliefs that may not be approved of by others that we love once we become an adult or people that we care about or have professional relationships with. But as an authentic individual, we know that the pain of being honest is far easier to deal with than wearing masks and creating illusions within and around us in relationships. In fact, because the universe is a harmony, as Arnold Patton shares in his Universal Principles, it will not provide the energy to maintain illusions. We have to do that ourselves. 
The more illusions we generate in relationship with ourselves, others, places, or things, such as addictions, the more tired we become, the more fragile we become, and the more inviting we are to the medical mafia. I don't think I need to expand on that for you. Soon enough, we're likely to find that people that we once called friends don't want to hang around with us because we're too draining to other people. We become victims of our own self-generated illusions, and that is truly hell on earth. As an adult, we can be comfortable with our own beliefs, values, and share them with others non-violently, which is a perpetual process of growth for us as adults and children. We can also allow each person the space to own their own reactions, responses, and emotions without having to feel guilt or shame as long as we're being honest. In other words, just because somebody doesn't agree with us or throws a fit about something we believe in, like mothers often do when children <laughs> tell them that they're smoking pot and things like that, or going to get married to someone that mom doesn't like or any other thing, um, as long as we give them the space to own their own reactions, then that's fine. If we're being honest and we're sharing our truth from our heart, that's called effective communication. But many people don masks because they're not secure in themselves to um, allow a person's reaction to be their own without having to feel as though somehow there's something wrong with them for the response they got. In other words, it's their fault that so-and-so is unhappy or so-and-so is angry when really we realize that you can't ever really be responsible for that. All we can be responsible is for sharing our own truth. One of the big reasons people wear masks is because they're too insecure within themselves to engage in healthy conflict in personal or professional relationships. This is not only unrealistic, it stunts creativity and growth for all involved. To own your destiny and 2021 requires that we love ourselves enough to be authentic, yet empathetic and compassionate for others with differing beliefs, values, and opinions. Conflict does not have to be damaging. Conflict in relationships helps us grow in many ways. It helps us learn to stand up for ourselves. It helps us learn to stay connected at the heart even when others don't agree with us. It helps us learn to breathe and stay present when we're being challenged. How do you make a diamond? Pressure, pressure, pressure. In other words, conflict is the pressure that gives us the opportunity to grow. Conflict helps us access and utilize the full range of our emotions and express them in the ways that allow others to experience our true feelings without them having to feel threatened. Conflict gives us a chance to practice nonviolent communication. Conflict allows us to become more aware of what triggers us so we can consciously begin our own healing process. We can look into the roots of what triggers us and we often find wounds that haven't healed yet. This is very valuable and often escapes our awareness until we engage healthy conflict with others. We may find out that we were wrong about things or that others have better ideas in regard to the issue at hand and from this we have a great opportunity to grow. If we handle such situations with loving awareness, we become a great example to all others that we engage. All these approaches I'm sharing here fall into the category of loving oneself enough to be honest and authentic. If we are not honest and authentic with ourselves and others, it's hard for us to love ourselves or be loved by others because we are never really sure who we are. Which me do I love now? 
which me do they love now? When people in our life become unsure of which me will show up in relationship to them, it makes them feel insecure or even afraid to engage us. Imagine the wives of the professional athletes I mentioned finding out how many other wives they have been sharing their husband with, often for several years. Can you imagine how deceived they would feel and how deep their distrust would run for that from that moment onward? Some of you already know from your own experiences of divorce and relationship conflict exactly what I'm talking about here and have been on the surprise end of an announcement or finding out that you are being cheated on and deceived and it's very, very painful and it's hard to regain trust with someone like that. When we take the time we need to explore the grand miracle of what it took to become a human being, we find that in actuality, it takes an entire universe to create each and every one of us. In fact, to create any sentient being in nature, it requires an entire universe. With that awareness, we can not only celebrate the miracle of life, but realize that it takes an entire universe to create us, and it must have a purpose for each one of us. Think about it. If the universe invested that amount of energy, information, and consciousness in us, then surely the universe is also here to support us in our life journey. Now, I could go through a series of steps to help anybody realize that it takes a whole universe to create us, but I don't want to get so sidetracked with another exploration that I don't get to the issues that are really at hand here. And I have talked about that in many other podcasts. Some of you may be aware of that. It is often the case that we get to a point in our lives when we realize that all the things that we have thought were bad, painful, or created fear within us at the time turned out to be pivotal moments in our life, moments when we often change directions. We come to realize that we wouldn't be the person we are or be with the people that we are if it weren't for the challenging times of transformation and redirection in our lives. It's through honest self-reflection of these challenging times in our life that we can gain a new and helpful awareness. For example, it might be that during a heartbreak, we had a longing to be in another location. I remember when I went through a divorce with my first wife after 17 years of marriage and raising our son, who at the time was 14, I was in a deep state of emotional pain and sadness, and in that state, I felt the ocean calling me. Now, I live in San Diego, so the ocean wasn't too far away. I listened, and I got an apartment right next to a beautiful beach in La Jolla, and at night, I could hear the ocean waves talking to my soul. It had a very profound, soothing effect on me, a definite healing effect. I felt very grateful to be there. And in that location, I met my next love and many beautiful friends that supported me as I gave birth to the Czech Institute. So that was right when I began the Institute in 1995. I know now with the life experience I have and the listening practices that I've cultivated through my spiritual practices that Mother Earth, Mother Ocean was reaching out to me so that I could move forward as a steward of life, a teacher and guide to others. It is easier to love ourselves when we hold still, listen, and feel the guidance that is always coming from Mother Earth, Mother Moon, the sun, and the stars that fill our skies, let alone great spirit from which they all emerge. Many have lost touch with these sources of love and wisdom because they live almost entirely indoors. 
or they're so trapped in technology that they never stop thinking and, and being um, buzzed. There's nothing better than being out in nature as often as possible to learn to regain your connection with the greater whole of yourself. None of us can exist without the loving gifts and support from Mother Earth. When we spend time with her, we can be with ourselves and with her, and we can feel her love and know we are lovable, and that makes it easier for us to love ourselves. Now, these may seem like sort of subjective concepts for a lot of you, but think of the experiences you've had being in nature, being near a waterfall or hiking in the mountains and just feeling enveloped by the energy of the forest and supported and breathing fresh air and just feeling so alive and maybe having beautiful dreams or gaining powerful insights while you're out in nature. Some of you have had the great fortune of being able to do plant medicines like magic mushrooms out in nature and feel the tremendous power, wisdom, and connection that nature has. So, you know, those, though these things are subjective, I can only share, for me, they're very, very real, and my life has been tremendously enriched. And I spend my whole life working with people that have gotten away from that and often have to reintroduce them to camping trips and walking bare feet and having plants and connecting to them and loving them, which uh, so far I've never seen anybody that hasn't followed my, that, that's followed my practices not have a, a definite visceral awakening to the connection that's all around them that they've just been out of touch with. Now, one of the most important tips for learning to love oneself that I can offer is becoming our own best mother and father. Sadly, the majority of the pains, judgments, and fears that stop us from loving ourselves were programmed into us by our parents. We can realize that they were doing the best they could do to love us with the pains they were healing from, the programming they were given, and the parenting skills that were passed on to them. If we're honest about that, then we can realize that we're all loving the best we can, and it's our responsibility to pick up where others leave off and learn how to love ourselves so we're not in a codependent relationship. Once we choose to stand on our own two feet as an individual, we can choose not to be overtaken by what Freud called the superego or the judging voice in our heads. When we start hearing that voice tell us what we should be doing or should have done, or demeaning us, we can acknowledge that voice, give it its say, yet step into our own empathy and compassion for ourselves. We can listen to that voice to discern if we were right to feel shameful or guilty, or if we were actually being honest and authentic in our expression. In other words, if you were being honest with somebody and they got upset, but all of a sudden that voice in your head starts saying, why'd you do that to them? You were too mean, blah, blah, blah. Then we can give ourselves empathy and compassion, such as I'm guessing you're feeling sad that so-and-so got so upset when you were actually telling them the truth, which is always a better thing to do than not telling them the truth, then you can say, yes, I'm feeling sad. You can have compassion for them. I guess it's really shocking to hear a truth that contradicts your own belief system or maybe makes you feel less connected to me and realize that that's part of the process they have to go through. If we were being honest, we know that the voice in our heads isn't ours, but it's a program made of programs or a form of artificial intelligence that may have served us as a child when we needed to depend on parents, no matter how good or bad a parents they were, we had no choice 
but now we don't need that voice any longer. And through engaging it through these types of empathetic and compassionate or non-judgmental practices, we can ultimately recondition the superego that's made of the past to bring it into a much more soulful voice and form of intelligence, which the best way to do is actually learn to connect with your soul and develop a relationship with your soul, which for those of you that want to learn to do that, I teach that in my Primal Pattern Eating online course through the Czech Institute, which is a one-day section taken right out of Holistic Lifestyle Coach Level 2 that I put in our public sphere of access because I feel what I'm teaching there is very, very critical to everything we're talking about here for owning 2021 and for people's general um, self-management skills and uh, (laughs) preventing diseases. So we can all learn to be our own best friend, and I'm definitely my best friend. That's not to diminish or discredit those that I call my best friends, but it's only because I am my own best friend that I know how to share that level of trust and connection with others. When we wake up in the morning and look at ourselves in the mirror, we can say, hello, I love you. It's a great day to live and love fully. Let's create beauty, love, and harmony together today. Again, when you wake up and you go to the mirror, start your day by saying, hello, I love you. It's a great day to live and love fully. Let's create beauty, love, and harmony together today. When we start our day this way, we begin the day with love and can choose to practice staying in love with ourselves. And in that state of being that we cultivate naturally overflows to others. This is exactly why I often sing a song that my soul gave to me that goes like this. I am happy, I am healthy, I am whole. I take my love wherever I go. Oh, yes, I'm happy and I'm healthy and I'm whole. I take my love wherever I go because I'm happy and I'm healthy and I'm whole. I take my love wherever I go. Oh, yes, I'm happy and I'm healthy and I'm whole. I take my love wherever I go. Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) So that's one I would encourage you to copy and use if you'd like. I am happy, I am healthy, I am whole. I take my love wherever I go. And you can sort of play with it, but that's one of my ways to keep myself in that state of being happy and healthy and whole and cultivating the love that I want to take wherever I go. Now, Jung, in his infinite wisdom, very deep wisdom, stated that each child is tasked with the unfinished business of its parents' lives. And that is more than true. Again, Jung said, each child is tasked with the unfinished business of its parents' lives. When we realize that no one is perfect, and that a significant amount of the programming that determines how we relate to ourselves and others is a mirror of our parents, then we can acknowledge where they did well, and we can see where we can take up the task of parenting ourselves into authentic self-love and creative self-expression in 2021. If we are parents, we can observe our actions with our own children and through awareness, edit the reactions toward our children that were painful when imposed upon us as children by our own parents. In other words, if we're using 
physical violence, such as spankings or screaming at the kids or threatening them, and that's not helping the child stay connected to you or you to them, and that's what our parents did to us, we can actually say, how did I feel when I was a child and my parents did that to me? And how could I stay connected to my child, yet convey the importance of not climbing on furniture or playing with knives or playing with fire, etc., versus wounding the child, which ultimately leads to deeper and deeper separation and more and more mental, emotional, and physical problems. If there's one mineral you should be worried about not getting enough of, it's magnesium. Magnesium is the body's master mineral, influencing over 300 critical reactions, including detoxification, fat metabolism, energy, even digestion is influenced by the presence of magnesium. But there are two big problems here. One, magnesium has been largely missing from U.S. soil since the 1950s, which explains why it's estimated that up to 80% of the population may be deficient in magnesium. And two, most supplements contain only one or two forms of magnesium, when really there are at least seven that your body needs and benefits from. If you take this latter fact into consideration, it's not illogical to conclude that 90% of the population is likely to be deficient in two or more essential forms of magnesium. The good news is that when you do get all seven critical forms of magnesium, pretty much every function in your body is upgraded from your brain to your sleep to pain and inflammation reduction, and it all improves fast. That's why I'm so excited about what my friends at Bioptimizers, makers of industry-leading digestive supplements, have just created. The research team recently formulated what I believe to be the ultimate magnesium supplement, easily the best I've ever seen or experienced, with all forms of this mineral. They even include trace amounts of something called monoatomic magnesium, which helps make all the other forms more bioavailable. This is by far the most complete magnesium product ever created, and until or unless someone comes out with a better one, I highly recommend you give it a try. Bioptimizers calls this product Magnesium Breakthrough, and they're running a special promotion for you at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash living number four little d. That's bioptimizers.com forward slash living number four little d. And right now, during the entire month of November, bioptimizers are running their Black Friday and Cyber Monday until November 30th. This is the best time of year for incredible deals. On select products, you can get free shipping up to 40% off, and they're even giving away free bottles of Masszymes, P3OM, and their HCL breakthrough with select orders. And here's the deal. The guys who make it are so confident that you're going to like it that they're going to give you all your money back if you don't. With this one simple action, you can reverse magnesium deficiency in all its forms and upgrade the performance of your body, including how you look and feel in every possible way. Make sure to go to this special website because it's the only place where you get access to this amazing discount. This magnesium breakthrough promotion is only available while quantities last. Again, that's Bioptimizers, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash living number four little d. That's Bioptimizers dot com forward slash living four d to get your amazing deals on Bioptimizers, great products, and magnesium breakthrough. I love Bioptimizers. I actually do use them every day. Their products are excellent, and that's why I'm super excited to share them with you here. Enjoy. 
we can learn to love ourselves more completely by asking ourselves a very powerful question, which I learned from Dr. Cliff Oliver. And that question is, what would love do now? What would love do now when we're facing insecurity, self-judgment, or conflict in relationship with ourselves or others? When we practice loving ourselves, we're in the practice of making love, and that way we're always comfortable being with ourselves, and we have love to share with others. That makes life magical, wonderful, and takes our fear of death and puts it in the back seat. Why? Because if we love being with ourselves, then the worst thing that can happen when we die is we get to be with ourselves. I have no fear of being with myself, regardless of how long it is for. So even if death means I'll be alone for a thousand years, I know I'll have a great time practicing loving myself even more. But don't worry. You won't ever be alone with yourself once you spend time exploring yourself, nature, and how you got here, because you'll soon find out that what you think of as yourself is really a conglomeration of consciousness from the entire universe and all the myriad of creating beings within it. So there is a beautiful little realization you can use to feel safe that ultimately we can never be alone. Now our next question is how can people find their inner power or inner strength to own 2021? Which again is a great one. Aside from what I've shared so far, I found in my life that my own inner power and inner strength came from two key things. One, trusting myself. The only way you can actually trust yourself is to always be honest with yourself, honest about your feelings and whether your judgments of self or others are actually true, and honest about what your heart is telling you from moment to moment. When we trust ourselves, we trust the love we share with ourselves and others, and both trust and love deepen in our lives. Next is find your passion and follow it. If we find what we are passionate about and allow ourselves to do it, we find that we are fulfilled by such passions. When we are fueled by passion, if we fall down, we get excited to get up and try again, like when we were little kids and we fell off our bicycles. Most of us never said, I'm never going to ride that again. Or we might have said that for a minute, but five minutes later, we were back on the bike and we had forgotten about our bloody knee. So when we're in passion, if we fall down as a metaphor... Then we just get up and try again and we get excited to grow because the more we grow, the more passionate we get about the ways we can engage and express ourselves. Though I've been in many situations I wasn't passionate about, often doing jobs for money as a necessity to feed my family as I shared in the Evolve Yourself series I did, I just stayed focused on what I was passionate about and kept looking for ways to transition out of the work I was doing to get more of what I was passionate about into my life. In other words, I kept working to feed the family, but I also kept my eye on the target, so to speak, of my passions and kept talking to people and and looking into job opportunities that were more in line with my passion. And here, passion is a form of love. When we are in our passion, we're easily inspired by others that are also passionate about what they do and what we do. Passion is very powerful medicine because it really helps us come to love ourselves. When we follow our passion, we are very often more likely to have success, and those successes make us happy about ourselves, and that's love. Our next question in owning our 2021 is how can people nurture that inner fire 
in the process of owning 2021? How can we keep that inner fire of love and passion and commitment and connection alive and have the strength to go through the challenges that are inevitable to life and that are pretty much guaranteed in a five year, as I've described, a tipping point year? Well, we can all nurture that inner fire in the following ways. Stay connected to what truly enlivens you. That may be dance, singing, playing, worship, prayer, meditation, walking in nature, eating good food in a state of gratitude and worship, loved ones, friends, enjoying your plants and your pets, or even just taking time to enjoy a great story, be that a book, an audio book, or a movie. The opposite, of course, is believing the news and gossip, which is largely fear-based and only depletes our inner fire. When we believe illusions, we have to maintain illusions, and we've talked about that already. Doing a daily Tai Chi, Qi Gong practice, or walking meditation, and things like taking cold showers are just a few of the many ways to cultivate and stay connected to one's inner fire. Helping others that you can help stokes your inner fires. It helps us feel good when we're practicing the sharing of love authentically. Love is a boomerang, so what you put out always comes back. There's always people around us that need help. I know I feel a greater sense of meaning in my life and a greater sense of connection to my life when I help others, and I've devoted my life to doing that. Giving yourself time each day or each week just to do nothing to have no plan. Sleep in. Let go of your head and let your heart guide your choices of activities. But choose only activities that have no agenda, no outcome agenda. Be like a child and just wander. See what catches your eye, what calls to you. It may be a frog. It may be a flower. It might be a dog. It might be an eagle flying by. See what catches you in in the moment and become present with it and speak to it from your heart. Not with words, but with waves of loving intention. For a lot of us, this is a real change in the way we use our our mind, our psyche, to connect with things. We're so used to kind of the left brain linear process of using words all the time that we forget that the truth of our heart and who we really are is much more a wave function than it is a linear binary function. Each of us has a unique inner fire, and it's up to each of us to find out what fuel and what combination of fuels help it burn most naturally and efficiently. But a tip for you here, when you use the right fuel to feed your inner fire, there's no smoke. I'll say that again. When you use the right fuel, be it food, dance, singing, playing, stories, petting your animals, watering your plants, nurturing your garden... There's no smoke. That's something to meditate on. Next, how can people become more resilient in the face of adversity, which is definitely something we need to be aware of to own 2021? Though it's quite obvious if we study history but seldom comprehend on a personal level, impermanence is a universal law. Everything comes and goes, even us. There have been many wars that killed millions of people, and there have been many mass extinctions, five of them to be correct, on the history of, in the history of this planet. Many people decrease resilience by expecting a given outcome in most situations in their life. This is the ego's fear of change inserting itself 
but the waves of reality that power the boat of our existence are waves of impermanence, of perpetual change. When we get deeply enough into life and our own psyche, we come to an awareness that is a letting go of. It's ultimately a letting go of that makes more room for new growth, new experiences, and new opportunities. Sadly, it is the people that tend to complain the most about any given situation in their lives or the lives of the collective that turn out to be the ones that are the most resistant to change. And I've seen this countless times as a therapist. I tell my clients and students, if you have breath, water, food, warmth, shelter, self-love, and others you can share life with, then there's really nothing to be afraid of. We are all here to have the experience of life. Life is powered by undulations of vital living energies, and it's easy to forget that we're on a planet flying through space at a very high speed, and its movements are being guided by the influence of our sun, which itself is guided by the greater influence of the Milky Way, which is itself a speck in the grand universe that guides it. We're all on a journey together, and no journey is worth taking if it's flat, predictable, unchanging. We just get bored and start causing changes to happen. We'd become tricksters. We'd be tipping boats over, tossing people in the pool, lacing the Kool-Aid with LSD, making, <laughs> making magic mushroom omelets and giggling our asses off, watching all the depressed, <laughs> the depressed people petting plants and talking to stones and dancing naked in the streets. That's just the way people are. That's the way we are. We're highly creative beings, and we actually at a core level, enjoy change, but at the ego level, resist it. One of the chief ways I create resilience to adversity is simply not to see challenges as adversity, but as opportunities for creativity and growth. And that's not always easy to do. There were things that happened when COVID kicked in that (laughs) were quite challenging, but I had to really center myself. For example, we were right about to close escrow on our new home and property and we got a phone call from our loan broker saying i'm sorry to announce this this has never happened in the history of finance as we know it but your loan has been revoked even after it had been approved in writing which is technically illegal but they were so afraid that covid was going to collapse the economy that they didn't want to give out uh, money to people uh, with the kind of loan that we had which is a cash flow loan based on our business. So we thought for for sure, okay, that's it. And we were really in a bad place because we'd already had all our movers set up. We'd started moving and packing and we had uh, given notice on my office. And uh, the lady that we were buying the house from was already mostly moved out and needed, she needed the money from the purchase Uh, our purchase of her house to buy her house. So it just created a huge domino effect that was, you know, really gave me a chance to go sit in the sauna and meditate and have some deep conversations with Angie and Penny. But we all agreed we'd just trust the universe and see what happened. Well, about four days later, we got a phone call from our loan broker saying that they were so embarrassed that that happened. And because it was actually illegal, they had a meeting of their board of directors And they decided that they would fund us themselves. And not only did they fund us, they gave us the loan at 2% cheaper 
than what we were paying, which actually lowered our mortgage payment, I think a couple thousand dollars a month. So coming in, it was scary, but using the spiritual practice that Penny, Angie, and I practice, we did what Jung calls hold the tension of the opposites. We knew that we could not change anything at that moment, but we had to just keep trusting and following the flow of the great river of life. And here we are, <laughs> better off than we ever could have imagined. And so that's what it means to uh, allow challenges to become opportunities and don't try to push water uphill. When we know that the truth of the universe is impermanence, then we get up each day with excitement and celebrate the day and the beauty of each moment. We can really go a long way by just learning not to sweat the small stuff and just ask yourself how much of what you were told or believed that led to fear and security, insecurity that is fatigue, anxiety, and turbulent emotions in your life turned out not to be an issue or not even to be true. I'll say that again. How much of the things that you've been told or believed in your life led to fear, insecurity, fatigue, anxiety, and turbulent emotions, but later found out that it wasn't even true? Well, when I ask this question to most people, they usually say most of it, if they're far enough along in their spiritual development to look back with honesty. Well, for most people, it's most of what they let ail them. You are in trouble when gossip becomes gospel, and the gospel is fear of end of days or end of anything. Now, that doesn't mean that there's no end to things. It just means, is that end something being created in our minds, which is a nocebo effect, the opposite of a placebo effect, which is a positive effect? Or is it something that's really happening? There are definitely situations going on in the world with how we're managing the planet and the things I mentioned earlier in the podcast that could bring an end to a lot of things, including our life, if we're not careful. And that's not to be a fatalist, that's to be a realist. But that doesn't mean the end of your life in authentic fact. It means the end of potentially a lot of our physical lives, but the beginning of the rest of our beautiful, potentially eternal life. So, you know, when we realize we're made of energy and information, all things are in the whole universe, then we can also realize that there is no end to anything, just a transformation into something else. So if we hold our heart open to becoming something else that is more wise, loving, beautiful, and capable each day, then we really are embracing the journey of life. Some wise men once said, Lord, give me the strength to change what I can and the wisdom to know what I can't. Generally, what we can't change alone, we can change by being creative with others. And that's one of the ways that love assures that we will stay alive in our life and keep our human story alive. Surely we can work on ourselves, but the litmus test for our inner work comes when we engage our relationships with other persons, places, and things. As I tell a lot of young people that consult me because they've traumatized themselves and you know, plant medicine ceremonies, you can drink all the ayahuasca tea in the Amazon, 
But if you don't listen to and practice what the spirits of the vine or the soul are telling you, you're both wasting tea and being disrespectful to the spirits that offer you their wisdom. And that comes with consequences, I can assure you. So it's up to us to be aware of where our life keeps bringing us challenge, friction, pain, disharmony, and look carefully at the beliefs and behaviors that created it. And even a good plant medicine ceremony will show you a lot of those things that you're unconscious of because they're in your shadow. But the medicine, nor Mother Earth, or any other source of wisdom will force you to do it because the authentic nature of God is unconditional love. So Mother Earth donates herself as our playground where we learn to deal with the powers of creativity inherent in the universe And we are here in a field of material existence because matter makes everything move much slowly, which is why some mystics say matter is spirit moving slowly enough for us to interact with it. And through being here in this uh, matter-laden world, we learn progressively to manage the powers of our creative intelligence and our creative abilities. And when we have developed enough mastery of those powers, we become a citizen of the universe, not just the world. You know, glutathione is an extremely powerful antioxidant. I don't know if any of you have ever noticed on my YouTube videos from a couple of years ago, I had a spot forming just below my left eye, which was the result of me doing so much research on herbs. And Angie, who is a nutritionist, said, you should try some glutathione. Maybe you need more antioxidant support. And literally day by day, I watched it disappear as soon as I started taking glutathione. But I didn't have the kind of glutathione that Symbiotica produces in their new Regenesis product. So I've got Shervine here to really explain what is unique about their new glutathione product. Shervine, what can we expect from Regenesis? Well, that's an interesting story, Paul, um, regarding that spot. And it just shows you exactly how strong glutathione is. We went out of our way. You know, it took us about 18 months to develop this, a lot of hard work. The entire team of scientists got together. And what we found was that most glutathions on the open market oxidize because of the sulfur compound that's attached to it. As soon as oxygen hits it, you get this sulfur you know, layout, which is very, very unpleasant. Our glutathione, which is liposomal, so it is protected, is bounded to lactoferrin. Lactoferrin is the is the amino acid chain that makes colostrum colostrum. So this is our first non-vegan formula. It's still vegetarian, but it isn't vegan. Along with that, we have CoQ10, PQQ, which is pyroclinolone, which is a good brain nootropic, and lactobacillus rhamnosus, a human strain probiotic. All of these come together. It supports healthy intestinal tract, mitigates food environmental allergies, improves nerve growth factor, reinforces the immune system, neutralizes free radicals, antiviral, antibacterial, removes heavy metals, and just boosts the brain-gut relationship, which we know now is so critical to longevity and optimum health. This is truly one of our favorite, favorite formulas. Also, unlike a lot of supplements, it tastes very, very good. I was super (laughs) impressed when I tried it. Yeah, we find that to be very important. And again, we don't use anything artificial. Everything is organic. They're all extracts and there's zero sugar in any of our products. Awesome. So 
Head on over to C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. That's symbiotica.com. And on checkout, use your code, capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 15, to get your 15% discount on Regenesis and any of the other amazing products at Symbiotica. Enjoy. And if you have spots on your skin, you might just get rid of them with this amazing product. Our next question is, when confronted by challenge or failure, how can we find the calm to ask, how do I learn and grow from this in 2021, rather than becoming tangled up with emotions? Well, research conducted by Daniel Goleman and the Dalai Lama on destructive emotions is uh, well documented in the book titled Destructive Emotions, A Scientific Dialogue with the Dalai Lama by Daniel Goleman. And that's available in print or in audio. And it shows that it takes some time practicing awareness of our emotions to learn to manage them in constructive ways instead of um, letting ourselves become or others become victim to them. Now, there's a lot to this, and there's a lot of good books out there on this. This conference... uh, that basically is in book form was run in 2004 and it was one of the first times that they used advanced brain imaging uh, analysis on very advanced monks that uh, the Dalai Lama um, brought for them to do research on and found that these monks after many years of meditation and spiritual development had very, very different uh, brain responses to a wide variety of different inputs and stressors Uh, and things like that than they'd ever seen before, which sort of blew the whole field of the study of mind and emotions wide open because it broke a lot of paradigms that were previously in place, particularly here uh, in the West. From the perspective of mindfulness, we can't be present with what's happening unless we are present. Once we are present, truly there, we need to have awareness of what we are experiencing within ourselves and around ourselves. When we're present and aware, we can focus our intention on creating the best possible outcome for ourselves and others involved. My personal approach in situations where I feel emotionally triggered is to be present with what is really going on, which requires awareness of what is really happening, not just what I'm projecting onto the situation out of habit, fear, or resistance to the reality of the situation. And believe me, I've been practicing this for a long time, and I still have a long way to go, but I do work on it, and I do think it's one of the most important things for all of us to work on. Once I'm present and aware with what is, then I ask myself, what is my dream for this situation right now? This is usually a very good time to ask ourselves that magic question, what would love do now? Sometimes the most powerful spiritual teachings are the simplest, but that does not always mean simple to do And the more our conditioned ego is involved, the longer it takes to respond to the situation from the heart. And so that's really a great measuring stick in a sense. The longer it takes for you to to come back into harmony and connection with someone after a little tiff or disagreement or marital spat, the more you are trapped in your conditioned behaviors and shadow projections, the quicker you can get back to sharing warmth and love Uh, the better and the more likely you are to have disentangled yourself from programming. And for those of you interested in this, if you haven't listened to my podcast with Keith Witt, 
the famous integral psychologist, um, a lot of that conversation is on uh, what it means to love yourself and, and what love is and the importance of it. And it's a very good podcast. This kind of work is what I call real spirituality, and I work on it every day. Programming is definitely not easy to override, and it takes commitment to personal love, growth, and awareness of the quality that we want in our lives and relationships to inspire us to keep doing the practice. I personally, as I said earlier, have a long way to go in my practice and my development, but I remind myself regularly that all I can take with me when I leave planet Earth is what I've become, and that's enough to inspire me. Remember, we're born alone and we die alone. No one can go through the birth canal of life or death with us. So to the degree that we heal ourselves from the falsities of ego programming, clear up our shadow, and really work at mindfulness and being present and being aware of what our dream in each situation is and helping find a resolution so that each party gets the best outcome considering all people's needs, then the more we grow our sense of love and our heart connection and the more we rely more on our heart and soul for guidance and less on our head, and the more Great Spirit reveals the magic and the mystery of what's really going on here. And I can tell you from my own experience, the way I see life now is radically different than it was when I was in my 30s, and much improved over my 40s, and I will be 60 next year, so I'm hoping to keep on growing. The Dalai Lama and his team of investigators showed that initially destructive emotions are stimulated by some form of trigger, after which there's an appraisal period followed by a response. For most people, the trigger reflexively produces a conditioned response, like a reflex. That's why we've all had the experience of saying to ourselves after the fact, why did I do that? Why did I say that? we typically realize that we'd made things much worse than they needed to be. With presence, awareness, and attention to our breathing, we can also be aware that we can appraise the situation before reflexively responding in ways that are likely to add fire to fire. We get better and better at responding in ways that are dream affirmative or said another way in ways that are best for all involved. You soon find with this practice that it is an adult practice. Why? because you have to be willing to compromise in situations such as when emotionally triggered, but our child ego is very self-centric and doesn't really care about others' want or need. It only cares about what it wants or needs. Using mindfulness, extending the duration of the appraisal period so we can actually respond in positive ways to do what is best for all in adult practice is really what it takes. To reiterate, there's the trigger, the appraisal period, and the response. But what Dalai Lama's research showed was that most of us um, are too triggered to actually put awareness into that middle phase, the appraisal. But as we grow in our capacity for presence and mindfulness, um, awareness, and intention, then we can extend the appraisal period. So instead of a ready-fire-aim approach to emotional uh, interaction, we can have a ready aim, well, I'll not say fire, express yourself effectively, period. When we really look carefully at what has gotten 
the world into the kind of trouble we're in with our management of the planet, each other, and ourselves, it is not hard to see that most of it comes from not accepting adult responsibilities. When we do accept responsibility for managing our mind, using mindfulness, and working with our negative emotions in constructive ways, something amazing happens. Regardless of how bad things look to others, or even how bad they once seemed to us, from our new perspective of of expanded presence, awareness, and intention, instead of seeing a world of challenges, we actually start seeing a world of opportunities. After all, It's safe to say that if there's one reason we're all here on this planet together, it's to grow. When we choose growth, we know for sure we've made the world a better place, and no one can ask more from us than that. That is our first responsibility to the world, and it just turns out to be our first responsibility to ourselves as well. The world is a living mirror, and when you change what you believe, feel, or perceive within yourself— what you see in the mirror changes in like kind. And I can assure you, I've watched the mirror change many times, not only in my perspectives of the world, but in perspectives of people that once really irritated me. And I find very challenging to realizing that there was a lot of love and beauty in them, but they were projecting something back to me that triggered me and I had to heal that in myself so I could really see who they were. Our next question are, what are the biggest roadblocks in general that we're likely to encounter in our process of owning 2021, and how can we overcome these? In my opinion and observation, the biggest roadblocks we'll encounter en route to owning 2021 is to step into our adult shoes and stop acting like children. Stop expecting others to fix the world, make your life better, feed you, love you, make you feel special, or even feel safe. If we practice the kinds of things I've shared in this podcast so far, we find that we rely more on our heart for guidance than our head. It's very important to realize that our ego is not ours. Our ego is a collection of ideas largely programmed into us when we didn't have enough intellect to discern what we want from what we don't want, or what is life affirmative from what is life negative. The beliefs and ideas generated within our ego structure are always from the past, so they're outdated relative to the potential needs of the present at any given moment of our lives. Our heart and the electromagnetic aura it generates within our field all around us is ultimately connected to everything and everyone. When we stay connected to our heart, we have to stay present. Try taking your own pulse and counting the beats as they occur And you'll see that when you do that, if you're not fully present with your heart, you'll miss the count. The heart was known by the mystics of antiquity and even today to be the home of the soul. And since the soul represents the totality of the consciousness within us, we can only be conscious because source itself is conscious, as I mentioned earlier. We can relax knowing that when we're acting from our heart, we're being guided by source, not the old, selfish, outdated ideas that make up our programmed ego mind. These things seem easy to understand intellectually, and they may seem like common sense to many of you, but saying the words and being the practice of the words turns out to be something that takes commitment to yourself, others, and the world. If we want to overcome the roadblocks that are likely to emerge in 2021, we would be wise to start practicing mindfulness, listening to our hearts, focusing on our individual dreams and collective needs. 
From that place, we can all own 2021 individually and collectively. From that place, we can enter 2021 fully aware that any roadblock is actually a catalyst for growth and change. From an adult perspective, we cannot afford to miss the opportunities our lives will bring us in 2021. Anyone that's educated and awake knows that we are at a tipping point. Remember, five is the halfway point in an octave cycle of development, and it is where we are at right now, the tipping point that will require millions of us to share common dreams, goals, intentions that are congruent with what supports life on this planet to tip the point towards integration, the moral use of technology and science, and overcoming religious, racial, ethnic, and national biases. Once enough of us are in harmony with life-affirmative, sustainable values, we're likely to generate enough energy to get past a Newtonian concept of the tipping point and may make something more magical happen, which is a quantum jump from our outdated way of living and relating to each other to one that is more harmonious for each other and the planet. That's my dream for sure. After all, if photons can do it, we can do it, because in actual fact, (laughs) we are all a bunch of photons and electrons dancing in a cute, beautiful little formation we call self. Our last question in our journey to owning our 2021 is, what are the biggest roadblocks you see specific to 2021 to owning the year? How can we overcome these? So what are the things that are most likely to be obstacles in 2021 that we'll have to overcome to own the year? The biggest roadblocks I see personally for us all in 2021 is accepting our adult responsibility for ourselves, others, nature, and the planet as a whole. If we don't stop letting big corporations control government, media, marketing, science, education, banking, farming, food production, power production, etc., we will keep deferring our responsibilities to our consciously or unconsciously chosen father figures, our saviors, the people that we trust will take care of everything when we're busy (laughs) playing video games and smoking pot or being distracted. To the degree that we keep falling for what we see and read in the media without asking ourselves, is it really true, and doing our own research through credible information sources, we will only stay in the child archetype. We will give the corporate billionaires all the justification they need to make decisions for us. 2021, being a five-year, the year of the Hierophant, the spiritual teacher, wise elder, or guide, means that we need to be discerning with regard to who we listen to, learn from, and trust. It means that we must not be lazy and let others do our thinking for us. The, the Hierophant is the one who sticks to fundamentals, be they the fundamentals of caring for our bodies, the planet, or each other. A fundamental reality we cannot escape is that the health of the soils, the water, the air, and how we manage the spaces we inhabit determines the health of our bodies, our minds, how stable our our emotions are in relationship to self, others, and the world. How we manage our inner fire determines how much of love's fire we create in relationships to persons, places, and things around us. Fire burns a forest down, and love keeps it wet and alive. So it's really a lot about getting back to the fundamentals and being careful what we spend our money on and careful who we vote for, if that even matters anymore, and really 
sharing our voice and our truth and living in ways that are less stressful to the planet and getting rid of our biases over other religions, races, colors, creeds, and coming back into a state of being a democracy with freedom of speech so that we can explore all possibilities. Freedom of speech does not protect you from hearing things that you may not like, but it does inform you about what's in the consciousness of the collective and can inspire you deeply to new ideas and ways of creating a transformation for all of us and the planet that really brings us into a much better place. But most people aren't brave enough to explore ideas that they don't agree with or don't like. They just reject them. 2021 is the year we must all learn to be independent thinkers, holistic thinkers, and become good students of nature. Doing this, we will realize that the fundamentals of balance are the fundamentals of life. But we will also realize that we must accept responsibility for the choices we make moment to moment, be they choices of relationship to self, others, or the world. We can ask the question, what would love do now, and respond honestly. And when we do that, we'll see that we are being guided to engage the fundamentals, the basics that always work, because that is what has guided evolution. When we deviate from the basics, we become deviant, and that isn't how to engage 2021 if we truly want to grow together. So in closing, I don't know about you, but I am super excited for 2021. I love the Hierophant archetype because I love the basics. The basics are what I've studied and practiced in all areas of my life for my whole life, and that has allowed me to truly live and love fully. A pattern that I witnessed during the whole COVID scare is that those that are accepting adult responsibility for themselves, loving themselves, taking challenges and op- as opportunities to grow and share love and awareness with others have all done very, very well. In fact, many I know have had the greatest personal and business successes in a very long time or ever, and I'm one of them. The Czech Institute, thanks to a lot of years of preparation and getting electronic systems in place for online learning, has done extremely well because COVID really triggered people uh, into an awareness that they had to start taking their health more seriously. And so I'm very grateful that uh, a significant number of people found the Czech Institute. And um, it came at a very good time because we were really tight for cash after moving to this new place and getting a bunch of surprises. And, and all of a sudden we had a boom in sales. So it was almost like the universe said, well, guess what? Love's boomerang is coming home. And boy, were we happy for that. It is well known through historical record that people have made love in battlefields with bombs going off all around them and produced progeny that learned that love is invincible. To the degree that your life feels like a battlefield, let it be a reminder to make love to yourself, to others, and to nature each day. One of my greatest mentors and teachers in my life has been Houston Smith, recognized worldwide as the most respected authority on world religion. I've studied his books, watched numerous videos of him speaking and teaching, and I blow smoke in my morning prayers to him almost every day of my life. In his last interview, he was asked by the interviewer this question, in paraphrase, Houston, now that you are getting on in years, what message would you like to leave for people in the world before you go? He responded by saying, be a little kinder, be kinder to yourself, 
a little kinder to others and a little kinder to the world. I think that was just absolutely amazing. We're in an essential growth phase as human beings at this time, a tipping point. There are lessons for all of us, and there are lessons first and foremost in the fundamentals of love, life, relationships, and mental-emotional self-management. Additionally, we're at a time in our evolution when we must come to grips with what is fundamental to life on this planet. To do that, we must study nature more holistically, honestly, and use our moral compass to guide us. To engage our lessons honestly, we, as Ken Wilber rightly suggests, must now wake up, clean up, grow up, and show up. The stage is set for this golden opportunity, and with the awareness we've all gained looking into the mirror of 2020, we know where our personal and collective growth opportunities are. If we're a little kinder to ourselves, kinder to each other, and the world, we will learn and we will grow very efficiently, and in so doing, can create heaven on earth together. But it has to start within each of us as individuals. Because the world is a living mirror, it will mirror our love and kindness right back at us. We each have our world, which is part of the world. If we do our part, we can rest in the peace that we have left the world a little better than it was when we arrived. No one can ask us for more than that. In closing, I'd like to highly recommend all of you listen to and read the book titled Oneness Versus the 1% Shattering Illusions, Seeding Freedom by Vandana Shiva and Kartiki Shiva. That's V-A-N-D-A-N-A-S-H-I-V-A and K-A-R-T-I-K-E-Y Shiva. August 31st, 2020. You can get it on Audible or you can get it on Amazon. You can get it, uh, i.e., you can get it in audiobook or paper. It's extremely important for all of us to be aware of what this incredibly wise woman, Vandana Shiva, and uh, probably her daughter, share with us. I've never, I've never read a better book when it comes to putting all the cards on the table for our honest appraisal of what we've both created and allowed to happen together. Remember, being present, having awareness and intention are the qualities of mindfulness, and I highly suggest being in the most mindful state you've ever been as you read or listen to this book, which may be one of the most important books of our time. I'm excited for 2021. I'm excited for growth. I think there's a lot of things obviously, that need to change about how we use science, technology, um, commerce, money, politics, media, um, science. There's just so many things I think all of us that have been around for a while and can see going on need to change, or inevitably, we're going to lose our freedom and continue to lose our health until it's just not an exciting place to be. But 2020 has really given us a great look at what's going on within ourselves, in our relationships, um, the things that we do or don't do to create safety and security in challenging times. 2020 gave us a chance to deepen our spirituality, gave us a lot of inspiration for that. Uh, 2020 gave us a chance to go through an event as a world populace together. It gave nature a beautiful break. 
from uh, so much toxicity and activity by via the lockdown. And I think that 2021 being a five-year growth year and us seeing all these areas we can grow is really amazing. I'm very excited. It would be like if one of my favorite teachers or masters, uh, someone like Rumi or Yogananda or somebody amazing like that was coming to town and said, Paul, I'll be in town for the next year. Would you like to spend some time together and learn and grow? And I would say absolutely, even if I knew that that teacher was going to look right into the depths of me and point out all the things that I needed to grow through and and transfer into something more positive and beliefs and ideas that were disabling me or, or restricting my capacity for love and connection, I would be up for it. And fortunately, even though they take a lot of the greatest uh, hierophants off the internet quickly to maintain the uh, party line, um, we, with a little effort, can find them. And there is a lot of great, great, highly intelligent scientific minds, teachers, doctors, therapists, coaches, spiritual mentors, gurus in the world today, giving us a lot of love and a lot of light to carry us through these times. And uh, I say, let's all get together and have a great big learning party and loving party and live in love fully and take responsibility for our inner state. And uh, if each of us does a little bit each day to make the world a little bit better than when we found it yesterday, then who can ask for more? I'm with you all the way. What a great time. Lots of love. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thank you to the sponsors. Thank you to all of you for buying things from the sponsors. They have tremendously beautiful values that are in harmony with mine. And I love knowing that you're purchasing their products because they are made with exquisite care and the highest quality resources, and they are earth-friendly companies. And so thank you for supporting me and the podcast so that I could continue to bring you the best guests I can and share the best of me I can with all of you. And I encourage all of you to bring your best to each relationship and share the best each day. Lots of love. Happy 2021 for all of us. Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check. You can follow Paul on Instagram and Twitter at Living 4D Podcast or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash Living 4D with Paul Check. You can watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com and the Czech Institute streaming channel, checkiva.com. Don't forget to check out the Black Friday and Cyber Monday specials happening at the Czech Institute. Go to checkinstitute.com for full details.